0: Welcome to Lead On, a program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary. And once again, this week, it's my privilege and opportunity to talk with you about the practical side of being a ministry leader. You're out there leading a church or a ministry organization. You're a pastor, an elder, a director, maybe even a president. You're someone who has a responsibility to give leadership in a Christian organization. And your expectation is that the people in your organization are going to actually act like Christians. But sometimes they don't, especially when they fire complaints at you. So today, I want to talk about dealing with complaints. And I want to define these today for the purpose of this show as what I call the drive-by verbal shots that people take at you as a ministry leader. Let me give you some examples of what I mean. Recently, I was talking with a pastor who said that a member approached him in a church foyer and said, I can't believe you don't care about me enough to even come and see me when I'm in the hospital. Another ministry leader told me that she received communication from someone in their church who had made some signage for the church facility. And for a number of different reasons, the church took it down, replaced it, put up some new signage, and the person who had made the original signs said, I can't believe you took down the signs. I just feel canceled that you don't even care about me. Here's one for me. I was standing in a foyer of a ministry organization, an office building type situation, people coming and going, when a woman stopped and asked if she could talk with me. And so I was trying to give her my attention as she was telling me some negative things she didn't like about me and about the organization. And then while she was talking, she suddenly stopped and said, would you look at me while I'm talking to you? And I looked at her and she said, you have a bad habit of this. When I'm talking to you, you're often looking around to see who else is in the foyer that you want to talk to rather than giving me your attention. Oh, well, that was painful to hear. Another complaint. And then one that almost every pastor's heard at one time or another. You're not feeding me. I don't get anything out of your sermons. I don't like the way you preach or something along those lines. I want to talk today about how do you deal with complaints? These verbal drive-by assaults that happen to us from time to time in ministry leadership. And these often happen, it seems like, just at the front of the worship center right after we finish speaking or in the foyer where there's a lot of people around and we're in the middle of trying to manage a lot of, a lot of conflicting demands and connections Or maybe in a ministry context where we feel like we've been doing our best, but we're going through a busy week and we're trying to deal with all the stuff we've got to deal with, and yet still somebody comes along and offers us a complaint. So how do you deal with these kind of complaints? Let me give you three or four suggestions. First of all, when you hear a complaint, try to listen for understanding about What's really being communicated? Listen for understanding. And one way to do that is to ask an an open-ended question that will allow the complainer to expand on what they're thinking and perhaps in doing so give you greater insight into how they're feeling. For example, listen for understanding by asking an open-ended question like, You seem really upset by this. Can you tell me more about that? Or, well, you say that I always do this. Could you give me some more examples of when I've uh, failed you in this way? Can you help me to understand more clearly the kind of concerns you have so that I'll know how to respond best? When you start by listening – by asking for more information, by asking for clarification, by communicating that you're willing to hear what's being said, it diffuses the situation, often puts the complainer on the defensive, and helps to clarify the issues at hand before you try to give a quick response. Now, in learning how to do this over the years, I, I've changed my approach and moved away from being immediately defensive about a complainer and tried to become more understanding. Now, quite frankly, my nature is to just be defensive and combative. But I've learned the hard way (laughs) through some really bad encounters that that is not necessarily the best approach. So rather than being defensive and combative, I want to listen for understanding by asking open-ended questions and then secondarily looking or listening for deeper issues. So for example, when this person said to my friend, you don't care about me because you didn't come to visit me in the hospital. He said, well, I thought that we had other people from the church who had visited you is that true or did I, or was I misinformed? And that opened up the broader conversation to what this person was really looking for. My friend who had the church member who had created the signage in following up with a question of, well, that certainly is a significant issue that you feel canceled. Have we made you feel that way in any other ways opened up a broader understanding of why this person was feeling so hurt By this action. So you ask open ended questions and you look for and listen for some deeper issues. And when you're doing this, you have to practice your best pastoral ministry skills. Now, when I'm intending to deliver pastoral care, I don't really have a problem using my best pastoral ministry skills. When I'm going to visit someone who's bereaved, I'm thinking about what I'll do to approach them in the appropriate way. When I'm going to visit someone who's having a very serious illness, or go to visit someone whose family member is having that kind of illness, I think about the approach I'm going to take. how I'm going to be pastoral in the moment. When I'm headed for a marriage counseling situation or even walking into a difficult meeting in my organization where we're going to have to deal with touchy uh, issues, I'm thinking about having my best pastoral ministry skills in the forefront on display, ready to go. But the problem with complainers is they catch you when you're not prepared you're not thinking about pastoral care and pastoral ministry like you do in a bereavement or an illness or a counseling or even a meeting situation. No. No, you're thinking about the sermon you just preached or the meeting you've got to get to down the hall or the family that's waiting for you in the car that you've promised to take to a, uh, out to ice cream after the meeting. You're thinking about the fatigue you feel from having been through a difficult day or having had a challenging season of ministry your mind is a million miles away from intentionally choosing to be pastoral in the moment. So what I'm trying to give you today is a trigger, if you will, something that'll snap your attention and help you to focus on delivering your best pastoral care skills. So I want that trigger to be when you hear a complaint, rather than be combative or defensive, I want you to go immediately into your best pastoral care mode now while you're listening for understanding your second goal is to clarify the complaint the person is making and you do that by first of all asking for more information simply asking things like has this happened before Uh, is there anything more about this that you'd like to tell me are there any other issues related to this that you might also like to point out in this moment Asking for more information often helps the person to realize maybe the nature of their complaint isn't quite as serious as they first thought it was, or to make more specific statement that will give you the better opportunity to respond to a much more narrow definition of what's really bothering your complainer. Now, another part of clarifying the complaint, besides asking for more information, is summarizing the issue as you understand it. So for example, in these illustrations I've been using on the show, my friend said to his church member, so I understand you're upset that I didn't visit you in the hospital, and you're feeling that the church, uh, that I should always visit you and every other church member who finds themselves in the hospital. You've asked for information, and you've summarized the issue as you understand it. Now, in the case of my situation where I was dealing with my complainer who said, you don't look at me when I'm talking to you. I said, so what you're saying to me is that I don't really pay attention to you when you're talking to me. And that by looking around, I'm sort of demeaning you or devaluing you as a person. And she said, that's exactly how I feel. Now, now we've summarized the issue. Now I've clarified what needs to be understood. And now I can even confirm the issue that needs to be resolved. I can know what needs to be dealt with in the moment. So I'm gonna listen for understanding by asking these open-ended questions and looking for deeper issues and practicing my best pastoral care skills. And in the moment, moving from being combative and defensive to being more proactively pastoral in my approach. So that secondly, I can clarify the complaint the person is making I do that by asking for more information and summarizing the issue as I'm hearing that additional information and then confirming. So this is the complaint that you're making to me right now. This is the issue you want me to resolve. This is what I need to address with you as we're having this conversation. Now, this can all happen in just a few, few moments. I'm not talking about a 30-minute conversation here. I'm talking about a hallway conversation that can happen in just three or four quick questions and some, uh, some understanding that comes out of that. But once you've done these things, the third and important step is you have to make a choice of how to respond. A choice of how to respond. And this response can fall into two broad categories. You can validate the complaint and make an appropriate response. Or you can confront or reject the complaint and also make an appropriate response. Let's talk about, first of all, how to validate the complaint. And you may say, well, I'm not ever going to validate any complaints. They just need to stop being this way toward me. Well, that's shallow and short-sighted on your part. Because sometimes, while a complaint may come at you in the wrong way and at the wrong time and maybe even with the wrong motive when you get right down to it, sometimes these complaints are true. When that woman said to me, when I'm talking to you and you're looking around the room to see who else is there, it means to me that you don't really care about what I'm saying. And in fact, it really devalues and demeans me. Once I got that clarified, I had to admit she was right. By not looking at her and giving her my undivided attention, I was devaluing her. And I discovered in that conversation that, honestly, as I thought about it, this was a frequent habit of mine. I had to admit, I would frequently spend time looking around to see who else was in the room rather than looking at and focusing on the person right in front of me. And that was a pretty important day for me because I had to validate her complaint and in the moment admit that it was even a bigger problem than she was uh, intimating. And I had to deal with this reality that I had to learn how to give people who were standing in front of me talking to me my undivided attention. Now, I have as a seminary president a Somewhat public life. And so it's not uncommon for me to find myself in crowds of people with lots of people around me talking, and many of them talking to me, and others wanting to talk to me. This is especially true after speaking engagements or after uh, public relations events where there's a lot of people there, including graduates, alumni, and donors from my school. And I want to try to get around to talk to as many of them as possible. But frankly, because of that one hallway conversation those years ago, I've learned that even in a crowded room like that, I do much better ministry if I look at the person who's standing in front of me and give them my full and undivided attention. And if it's the person that really wants an extended conversation and that's really not appropriate in the moment, rather than looking around the room to see who else might be there and who I might be missing out on talking with, instead I'll look right at the person and say, I really appreciate what we're talking about right now. But quite honestly, I need to come back to you another day for this conversation. I'd like to meet a lot of other people here tonight who also want to have a chance to visit with me just for a moment. Most of the time, most of the time people are more than gracious to allow that to happen. And the reason that they've had that grace extended to me is because I've learned the importance of looking at them while I'm talking with them, even if it's just for a brief conversation before I move on. So, My point is this. Sometimes you validate the complainer. Sometimes they're right. And when you do, you say something like this. You know, you've made a good point or you've raised a good point. And I want to apologize to you for my mistake or my failure or my oversight, whatever it is in the moment that's most appropriate. And I want to thank you for helping me by by telling me this, and I want to learn from it And I want to do better next time. So when you validate a complaint, you're saying you've raised a good point. I want to learn from this. I apologize for what I've done to you. I'm going to do better next time. Now, that's when you validate a complaint. Like, for example, the friend that I mentioned earlier in the show who had the church member whose signs were removed and others put up in their place and this person felt uh, devalued, felt canceled because they were not uh, their signs were no longer being used. When she followed up and contacted this family, she discovered that uh, they had some legitimate feelings. They had poured a lot of their resources and talents into what they had done for the church, and they just felt like it had been disregarded. And my friend was able to say, you know we really did need to refresh our appearance of that part of our building. But I apologize to you because I never really fully thought about the impact that was going to have on you. That was a mistake on my part. And I can understand why you're feeling the way you do. And I want to know what we can do to make it right. Well, that's what I mean by validating the complaint. It's that you see in it something that's true and right and helpful and you make the right response. But sometimes you have to reject a complaint, confront it, if you will, and disagree with what the person is saying to you. Let's go back to that uh, person that I mentioned who complained, you don't care about me because you didn't come to visit me in the hospital and no one from the church cared about me, came to see me. Well, my friend said, wait just a moment now. I have, uh, uh, I, I received communication that, A person in your small group visited you in the hospital, that your small group leader visited you in the hospital, and that, in fact, on the day you were discharged, because no one in your family could assist you, your small group leader actually went to the hospital, picked you up, took you home, and helped you get comfortable and set up in your uh, recovery. Well, yes, that's all true, the complainer said. Well, then how can you say no one from the church came? And then the complainer said, because you didn't come. Well, now that's a different issue. And my friend said, listen, while I appreciate your confidence in me as your pastor, my responsibility is to make sure that everyone in our church is cared for, but I can't do all the caregiving. There's just too many people. So the fact that we train someone and that that someone has facilitated a small group that you're a part of and they've reached out to you aggressively in ministry and met these practical needs for you, that's all I can do for you. And so I I can't apologize for what I didn't do because it's really not my responsibility to do it this time. I hope you'll understand and think about this more and, and learn to accept ministry from the church, not just from me. So ministry leaders, what I'm telling you is that the complainers sometimes are right. They're saying something to us, and it may be at the wrong time, in the wrong way, and in a hurtful, even context, but I'm telling you that in some ways, once we've listened and clarified, that we need to make the choice to validate what they're saying to us, because sometimes they're right, and they're pointing out a weakness our deficiency or a failure or a mistake or an oversight, they're pointing out something that we really do need to own, apologize for, and correct. But sometimes they're not. And when they're not, without being combative or defensive, remember now we've been already listening for understanding and clarifying the complaint and what's behind it. But once we've done that and we found that it's really not legitimate, then it's appropriate to say, I hear you. But on this one, I just can't agree with you. And in fact, I don't think you're right in what you're saying to me. And so I hope you'll think about this more as we move on. That reminds me of a situation where a young man came up to me after I was preaching once and said, I can't believe that a person in your place of influence would not use the Bible when you preach. And I thought, I just used the Bible, a whole section of the Bible. In fact, I... I'm a very textually driven preacher, and so I know I used the Bible. But rather than being combative or defensive, I said, I'm not quite sure I follow. I, I opened the scriptures, I read a passage, I preached from that passage, and I thought, at least I tried, to faithfully communicate what it means. He said, well, I know you did all that, but you didn't use the real Bible. Ah, now we're to the issue. I said, oh, so I think what you're saying is you don't like the translation of the Bible I used. And then he said, no, there's no translations of the Bible. There's just these false tr- There's these false uh, uh, translations. And of course, he was saying the only true translation was his beloved King James Version. Well, when he said that, I had to say, I understand where you're coming from, but I just need to clearly tell you, I don't agree with you. And I hope you'll keep thinking about this, but... Uh, I'm not going to be able to make that adjustment. So sometimes you do validate a complaint, but sometimes you confront and reject. And then finally, the last step in dealing with a complainer is move on. Accept this hard reality. You cannot please everyone. You just can't do it. And no matter how long you have that conversation to try to find commonality or try to reach a place of resolution, some people, not going to happen. So once you've listened and clarified and made your choice of how you're going to respond, move on. And sometimes that means move on physically by just simply moving on to the next person, the next meeting, the next event. But it always means moving on emotionally so that you don't get bogged down in the anger, the bitterness, the difficulty, the trouble of that complaining moment. If you are in ministry leadership, you are going to hear some complaints. I call them the drive-by verbal assaults that come with being a ministry leader. People are gonna say things to you about what they don't like, what you didn't do, the mistakes you made, or the perceived shortcomings of your work. And in those moments, listen for understanding, clarify what's being heard, make a choice to validate or reject And once you finish that, move on. Using this simple formula, these steps of action will help you deal with the complainers as you lead on.